You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. We are still in the book of James, and I'm going to ask you, if you will, to turn to James chapter 4, and we're going to pick up in verse 1, just 1, 2, and 3. So if you will stand with me one more time here as we stand upon the solid rock of God's word together, we're going to hear a very challenging message uh, to us today, church, and I hope you understand if James is ever in the mode of the Old Testament prophet It is here in these three verses. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war, and notice this, within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have, notice this, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Let's pray. God, I pray that today there will be a reckoning in every Christian heart. That we will hear your word and know that it is not for the person next to us or in the row in front of us, but that this is a message for all the saints of God. The problems that James addresses here are the, are the problems of every heart. Lord, let us be humble enough to see that and to see where our hearts need to grow and change. And Lord, above all, I'm asking this today, that your cross will be ever before us the next few minutes, that we will know you are here today and that, Lord, all we have to do is cast our cares upon you, cast our sins, Lord, upon your cross, Lord, and you will bear them away. God, save us from our sins and let us know about that beautiful land we've been singing about. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the fact is, is that When you say yes to Jesus, that very moment, you are in the middle, in the middle of spiritual warfare. And I want to just say this as we begin today, that it doesn't matter uh, who you are, what age you are. We all have only so much energy. We all have only so much time in this world. And it is a shame when we spend too much of that energy fighting the wrong fights, When we're not fully invested in the kingdom of God, typically what we're doing is we're investing in ourselves. You are brothers and sisters in Christ, each and every one of you. You are Christian soldiers. And today we want to prepare you to be the very best and effective soldier for Christ. My heart, I want you to know, I am a man of peace When I'm talking about war today, we're not talking about war amongst one another. We're not talking about fighting denominationally or anything like that. Our fight is against Satan. He is the enemy. I am not your enemy. You are not my enemy. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have this awesome opportunity, church here at Ridgecrest, to be something special for the kingdom of God. So today what we're going to do is we're going to see sort of what this battlefield is all about so that we can defeat the the desires of our heart, those negative sinful desires of our heart. 
You see, the battlefield is not out there somewhere. The first battlefield is in our hearts. I want you to see this. The very first battlefield, as James describes it, is in our hearts. Notice in the text, it speaks of passions and desires. Until we begin to come to terms with those passions and desires in our hearts. Let me just say this, and I don't want to spoil the next few minutes, but just know this. All of your passions and all of your desires are not sanctified. Just because you're passionate about it and just because you have a desire for it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is blessing it. We sometimes assume that since we're passionate about something that God's all for it too. It's not necessarily true. Second thing, we're not quite battle ready yet. Even when we do know something about our hearts, even if we are dealing with our hearts, the second battlefield, ironically, is in the church. Now, this sounds so silly, maybe to some of you, but having been a pastor for over 25 years, I'm going to tell you, so much of my work is trying to just get the church moving in the same direction in unison. It is hard work to get people with different backgrounds and different passions. Now, some of those passions are really good, okay? And those desires are really good, but they're different. And to get everybody moving in the same direction, it takes a work of God. It's a whole lot more than I can do but God can do it. You see, the army of God loses its way because the people, notice the text again, they fight and quarrel. Did you see that in the text? We lose our way when we fight and quarrel. So think about it this way. A soldier to be effective in the battle has to first like build up their own strength, know their own heart, find courage in their own heart. Secondly, a good soldier then has to learn how to cooperate with people around them. And then and only then can they go out and fight the real fight because the third battlefield is in the world where Satan is at work. Friends, if we try to attack Satan... Before we've dealt with our own sins, our own passions and desires, before we've learned how to get past fights and quarrels in the church, if we don't do this order right, when we do face the enemy, we will be defeated. We need to think about where we stand with God, and then we need to think about how we stand with one another, and only then can we go out and fight the right fight and win the war That I know we have victory. Listen, we have victory in Jesus. There's no doubt about that. The doubt comes in in terms of how much of a role you're going to play. How much of a role I'm going to play. Jesus is going to win. He wants to use you and us as a church for the glory of his kingdom. Will we surrender to him and defeat those evil desires in our hearts so that we can be champions for the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the battlefield a little bit more. Notice in James 4, 1 with me. Notice it is the language of war here. There are two words in particular. He speaks of fights and he speaks of war. I want you to realize that he uses these two terms. They're very similar in a lot of ways, but I think what he's trying to do is he's showing us that fights are the day-to-day kind of uh, experiences we have. Like, for instance, when we talk about the fight, like every day we have to get up and preach the gospel to ourselves and make sure that we are in Christ. That's a daily fight. But that word war, I think that's a broader term talking about the overall struggle between light and dark, between good and evil. That's the battle that we are fighting collectively against the enemy. 
We know that wars are won on the battlefield. But here's the deal. If we don't start winning fights in our hearts day to day, if we're not seeking to work together as brothers and sisters in Christ day to day, we're not going to have the privilege, the honor to fight the enemy in the field of battle. Too many Christians never make it to the field of battle because they're spending too much time arguing and fighting or just flat sinning. If we're sinning, we're of no use to the kingdom. If we're going to live in sin, we cannot live in the power of God. If, if our day-to-day thought process causes us to spend more time looking for reasons to be upset at church, then we're not spending the energy we need to fight the battle. Again, look at these words, passions and quarrels. We see the battlefield right there. We realize that we have to constantly be vigilant, never stop the fight against those sinful inclinations, passions, lust, the seeking of pleasure. That's the natural way of living, but that's not the spiritual way of living. Yes, it is natural for a person to have sinful desires, but no, it is not okay for those of you who claim the blood of Christ to continue in those sins. We need a church that is holy, washed in the blood every day, depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this by yourself, but by the blood of Jesus, all things are possible. We want to be a holy church on fire for God. It is hard to do, though, because our passions are strong. And those passions don't just stop within us. It's kind of like getting out of the frying pan and finding yourself in the fire. Because even if you do a good job in your prayer times every morning and you, you leave the house, man, and you go get your coffee so you've got Java and Jesus and you're going along and things are great and you go to your Sunday school class or you go to a, a meeting with brothers and sisters in Christ and next thing you know, you're arguing about something. Next thing you know, on a Sunday morning, inevitably, something's going to happen. Somebody doesn't smile the right way at you. Somebody sings the wrong hymn or something like that. Robin and I were kind of making eye contact. We've been in church, I think, 100 years between us. And and a couple times, you got us, Rich. You know, like, wow, I hadn't heard that one before. That's saying something. So, you know... (laughs) We come to church and we almost sometimes have that chip on our shoulder. Listen, if you come into church with a chip on your shoulder, there's a good chance you're not going to find Christ in your heart. Listen, quarreling may seem like a minor problem. The word quarrel is kind of an antiquated word, um, but it it almost sounds like something silly. Oh, your mom might say to to the kids, oh, quit quarreling, you know, like in the 1950s, your mom might have said that. I don't know. Um, in the car, we had an 18-hour drive from Orlando. Don't recommend it. Um, and, you know, uh, Jenny was sitting there and like, like, leave it to Beaver, you know, Miss Beaver. She was like, oh, children, stop quarreling. That's exactly how I remember it. <clears throat> actually, what I remember is more like what the Greek word actually means. The word quarreling means violent verbal disputes. <laughs> That's Douglas Moo, a New Testament scholar. He, def- he defines this word quarreling as violent verbal dispute. So we hadn't been in the car three minutes. I'm going to say this in this service because my kids aren't in this service. 
And, and, you know, my kids are grown, okay, pretty much, in 19 and 17. And they hadn't been around each other much because Avery's been off at university. And, I mean, they hadn't been in the car two minutes. They were back there, you know, doing that number. And for some reason, well, I know the reason because I'm cheap. We drove the Prius. And listen, we made it all the way back. Hey, laugh all you want to, but we made it back from Orlando, drove 18 hours, and I only spent $50 on gas. So I'm laughing all the way to the bank. (laughs) Whatever. So we're in a, let's call it a confined space. And there were violent verbal disputes. Paul realized that this was no laughing matter in the church. Listen to what he says to Titus in chapter 3, verse 9. He said, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. I promise you, my kids were back there fighting, but they didn't accomplish anything. And I think about all the fights I've seen in church in 25 years, and I don't think they accomplished anything either. Every ounce of energy we spend fighting in the wrong place is wasted time. I want you to hear my heart. When there are matters of theological importance, I will give you every ounce of my energy. I will take every gift that God has given me to fight against false teaching. But if you want me to fight with people because of preferences, because of traditions, because of druthers, as we like to say down south, I will not fight that fight. It is not worth it. We must make sure that when we are fighting, we are fighting for the gospel truth. See, most folks assume their opinion is gospel truth. That it is essential. The word passions in, in Greek has at its root the same root where we get the word hedonistic. You know that word? The whole idea of passions is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness will cause us to lose the battle before we ever leave basic training. It's no good to do big-time discipleship if you're not going to ask Jesus to get you some help to overcome those passions The battlefield is where sin and grace fight it out. But you've got to listen to God's word as counsel and let it guide you so that you're going in the right direction. It's fruit of the spirit in your life. Galatians 5, 17 and following. Are you a person of peace and love and joy and all such good things against which there is no law? Are you at war against the flesh? Let me just say this to you. It is not a problem. And I hope you hear me today. It is not a problem if you are struggling with overcoming your passions, but it is a problem if you keep losing the battle with those passions. You cannot lose the battle here as it relates to our passions and ever be effective for the kingdom. Hear me. You may not be perfect, and that may be a shock to you. I don't know. You may not be perfect, But don't fail to make progress. Every day of your journey, (laughs) you're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up. Occasionally, you're going to have to say you're sorry. That's life. That's being human. But here's the deal. Every day, make a little progress. Grow a little bit in grace. Allow Jesus to have a little bit more control of the wheel of your life. Let him guide you. 
what keeps that from happening, and I don't have time to develop this. One of my good friends, Nathan Joyce, he has a PhD, I think, in, I think he's a, a therapist. I need to go see him. But anyway, um, <laughs> he and his wife have this little game they play. And when they're out and about and somebody wants something and they know it's not best for them, one of them will go like this. That's the wanter. And, and, and they'll say, uh-oh, look out, the wanter is out. Uh, you're, we're wanting something that God doesn't necessarily want us to have. Now, passions are just like that. It's a want. We need to sometimes put our two fingers up and go, uh-oh, is that, is that a want? Is that a, is that a passion of my heart? That's not necessarily a passion from Christ. The only way we can know for sure is to receive wisdom from above. James 1, 17. We have to be careful because if we don't have wisdom from above, then we'll go after our wanters. We'll want things that we shouldn't have. And here's the deal. When we do that, we cause chaos in the church. When I am more concerned about getting my way than loving you well, friendly fire takes place. Do you know that term? I may not mean to shoot you down, but if I'm going after what I want instead of what Christ wants, there will be collateral damage. That's the battlefield. It's tough to survive it. Let's talk about the combatants for a moment. To win a victory for Jesus we need to clearly identify the problems that occur in our hearts. James 4, 2, the first part of the verse speaks of what we're fighting against, desire and covetousness. Now, once again, these terms are very similar, kind of like fight and war. It's interesting how James does this. He's using similar terms with some nuance here to teach us some deep things. Desire, if you will, the best I can understand it in the original language is like a slow, long burn. And when we desire something, it doesn't, it's like, we, we ache for it for a season, okay? Now, it seems like James is using the word covetousness, so it can mean other things. Here, he seems to be talking about a temptation that comes on you quick and fast, like you have to have it no matter what. Now, here's the deal. You can have a disease that kills you slowly or a bullet can kill you quickly. The result is the same. It doesn't matter what's killing you It's just that we need to identify what it is that's killing us and do everything in the power of God to avoid it. Church, if we know that we have sinful desires, if we know there is covetousness in our lives, we need to make some progress and put those things down before they put us down. Desire and covetousness often build on one another. That slow burn leads to a flash of passion. Over the years, I've asked the question, I bet you have too. How is it that good people, good Christian men and women can live for Jesus so many years and then have such a terrible falling away? It's because the desire, the slow burn finally got to the fuse and boom, the damage is great. In the Southern Baptist Convention in the last five to 10 years, there have been many, many examples of this. Heroes of our faith that have fallen prey. And I don't say that with with malice in my heart, but just to say, if it can happen to the men who stand in great pulpits like this, it can happen to any of us. Every one of us graciously must lean into Jesus every single day. And we need to lift up those who have fallen because we need to realize that we're always one bad choice from a fall ourselves. This battle is real. Satan is playing for keeps. And I'm asking the question, when is the church going to start playing for keeps too? 
Because it is serious. Souls are in danger. Look above. We need to make sure that Jesus completely saves and that we're preaching that with all of our heart. Man, there is some serious destruction out there that comes. Notice, James uses some very, very strong language. Murder, fighting, quarreling. These things build on one another. It's, it's, it's interesting when you look at the Old Testament that coveting many times is connected to idol worship. Friends, your, your wanter, your desires, your passions, if they're not of Christ, they will be of an idolatrous sort. Don't, don't make fun of those cultures that still have idols because Americans still have idols too. They just have horsepower or resale value. You know what I mean? We have idols too. We need to make sure that they are defeated. We need to realize that this battle is hard. We will lose it if we do not have the power of the Holy Spirit filling us as individuals. And it gets better because we don't just have our own heart and our own strength and our own desires. We have each other. This is why what Kevin has been talking about and what Wayne has been talking about in terms of all in discipleship, notice this, your survival in this war depends on the people you have with you in the foxhole. Choose wisely. We are going to have to fight a good fight and we cannot do it alone. Brothers and sisters, together, we can be the army of God. Together. Any military man will tell you, I'm not a military man. I was raised by one. But I'll tell you that it's all about what you're able to do as a unit. The individual is weak. The unit is strong. When everybody works in coordination, when everybody has one another's back, that's when you win the battle. And church, what I'm saying to you this morning is, I believe, I believe in Ridgecrest Baptist Church, I believe that we have all of the necessary ingredients to do a great thing for God. But listen to me, we're not going to be able to fight with one another and fight the enemy as we ought to. Listen, I'll come alongside you and I'll fight the good fight, but I ain't going to fight with you. I'm going to fight for you. You get the difference? Sometimes that means I've got to call out sin and you've got to call it out in me. And if that's necessary, it is necessary. But beyond sin, beyond calling out sin, let's come together for the glory of Christ. Let's be a people. When, when people come in here, they know that there is love, that we love one another, we love Jesus, and if they come and be a part of this family and become a part of this family, we're going to love them too. People need that love. Oh, friends, kill the sin or be killed by it. Desire and covetousness. Boy, they're strong. Don't be slack or they will get you. A few years ago, I came up with this idea. I, I'm sure it's not original with me, but I really felt like the Spirit was speaking to me. I've been in denominational life for a long time. Now, I've not been involved with the Southern Baptist Convention on that level, but I was heavily invested in the Missouri Baptist Convention. Some of you voted no on me, probably because I was when I first came here. I was the president. Uh, you know, you didn't want no politician, and I don't blame you. But here's the deal. I, I began to realize that one of the big problems uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ, this is true within the church, it's also true within the denomination. There are some people that all they want to do is fight and they forget what they're fighting for. 
You can brag about all the battles you're winning, but if you're fighting the wrong war, you're wasting your time. Don't tell me about the arguments you're winning if you're pushing people away from Jesus. You ain't doing nothing for Jesus. You're doing it for yourself. I don't have any time, and you don't either. You don't have any time, and you shouldn't have any patience for people who cause quarrels and dissension in the church. There's not time. There are souls in danger. We need to reach them with the love of Jesus. There is not time to fight. There is only time to be a people of faith. We need to win people to Jesus. We're not going to do that if we're sniping at one another. How are we, we going to do this? I mean, obviously, I'm pretty passionate about a few things. Have you noticed? How can we do this? The right way to fight spiritual warfare is on our knees in prayer. I've never seen a fight break out in a prayer meeting. I'm sure somewhere somebody's done it, but (laughs) I've never seen it. Even when I've seen people who were at great odds with one another, I've seen that they were able to pray to Jesus together. That ought to tell us something. It tells us that our bond in Christ is always greater than any fracture in our relationships. Think about that. If you really believe in Jesus, he has the power to not just heal you of your physical ailment, but he could also heal you of your bitter spirit. No amens there, huh? Ouch. I told you James was prophetic today. Blame it on him. Leave me alone. All right. Honestly. Jesus is stronger. He's he's better than all of the passions of your heart. I got to tell you, developing a prayer life is one of the hardest things I've ever tried to do in my life. I'm a pretty disciplined fellow. Um, I've always been able to kind of like bear down and get it done kind of guy. But prayer took me literally a decade or more to figure out a rhythm for my heart. This is again where we say, do you have a perfect prayer life today? No, you don't. But are you progressing? One of the reasons why you're not progressing, verse 2 tells us, is because you do not have because you do not ask. Take the time. If you've been losing ground in your walk, it is because you have not found a good rhythm of prayer on your knees. Your walk is completely dependent upon your Trust in Jesus, your faith in Jesus. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. The King James says, says here in ESV wrongly, but I like amiss. Uh, to spend it on your passions. Everything you invest in your passions that aren't Christ-centered is a waste. Matthew 7, 7. James is just really channeling Jesus. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. The truth is that things come to those who are feverish and fervent in their prayers. Asking is a good thing, but motives do matter. James shows us this. He is telling us, I think, and Jesus shows us that we must put the kingdom of Christ first. Don't ask amiss, but always pray in the spirit by the will of God asking God to guide your thoughts and your actions that they may be lifting up the kingdom. Too much of our prayers are selfish. Prayers that are not born of humility are not prayers. Thomas Manton. He also said, prayer is not for God's information, but the creature's submission. We pray to submit ourselves to God. 
Another scholar put it this way, Johnson. He says, you know, God is not your spiritual vending machine. We're not going to him and just asking for what we want. We go and pray in the will of the Father. And the reason why fights and quarrels break out among us is because we're praying for selfish things instead of God things. We are fighting the wrong fight when we're praying for my will to be done instead of Jesus's. The battle is real, but the battle must be won. And we've got to get this right. If we don't get prayer right, the human price will be our relationships. The spiritual price will be a breach with God. Now notice this. If we don't learn how to pray, we're going to have breakdowns in fellowship. And we're going to have breakdowns in worship. What year is right. Let me just throw a couple things at you here as we close. A couple questions. Three questions. What passions, desires are keeping you out of the fight? Let's ask the spirit to be surgical this morning and to precisely point out the passions and desires that are keeping us from being evangelistic and disciple-making. His passion, the passion of the cross, is the only thing that will defeat your passions of the flesh. The passion of the cross is the only thing that can defeat, defeat the passions of your flesh. Second question I have for you is, who's in the foxhole with you? Who are you serving with? Who is holding you accountable? You're not going to be able to win any wars if you don't have somebody with you. And then is your prayer life keeping you in the right fight? If you've been fighting the wrong fight lately, the only solution is much prayer. Now, everything I've said today, it's simple. There is a battle, and victory only comes in Jesus. Defeating desire is not something you can do of your own volition, your own willpower. No, the only way to defeat your desires is to right now surrender your heart to Jesus. Lean upon the old rugged cross and trust that the blood of Jesus is your only way up. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.